So when my kids were small, <clears throat> one of the things that uh, I would joke around with them about was this uh, scary creature called the Wolfman. And uh, so I got five boys and two girls, and my boys sometimes when we were watching you know, shows about living in outdoors or extreme conditions or whatever. You know, sometimes they'd say, oh, I could live outdoors, you know, on my own for a month, you know, that kind of thing. And I'd say, what if the Wolfman got you? You know, and they would try and act tough, but they'd be like, I don't care about the Wolfman, you know. And uh, I thought the whole time they knew I was kidding, you know, it was, they weren't babies, you know, they're, they're, but they're still probably, uh, I don't know, second grade or something. And, uh, one uh, one summer, my son Christian, my oldest son, um, you know, he said he's like, let's camp out in the backyard tonight, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, so we set up a tent, and uh, you know, got some uh, some little snacks and goodies and flashlight, and everything was all taken care of. And uh, we got in there. We you know we had um, a couple s'mores or whatever on uh, cooked on a candle, but uh, about. You know, an hour into it, he looked tired, and you know, I, I'm always tired at night. And uh, so I said, why don't, why don't we hit the hit the sack? And so we both laid down in our sleeping bags. And uh, wouldn't you know it, a couple minutes later, he, he said to me, "Hey, Dad," and I was like, "What's that?" He's like, "Um, what if the Wolfman comes to get us?" And uh, you know, it took everything within me not to laugh. Because I, uh, I couldn't believe that he actually believed about the Wolfman the whole time. Uh, it just shows you the, the power of, uh, of parenting, you know, especially when it's bad parenting lying to your kids. But uh, point of it is, uh, you know, so he, he was scared. And instead of going in, instead of packing up and calling it quits, I said, uh, well, if the Wolfman comes, you know, there's one thing that could kill him. A silver bullet. And, uh, you know, I had, I had some BBs. Um, and so I, I said, let me go get one. And I, he didn't know that wasn't a bullet. Uh, so I just came out with this little uh, <laughs> little BB from Walmart and said, you know, this is a silver bullet. And uh, I want you to take this slingshot. And if the Wolfman comes, all you gotta do is hit him between the eyes with that, that silver bullet and we're taken care of. Well, for whatever reason, that seemed to satisfy him. It was a good enough answer for the night. But uh, he definitely fell asleep clutching that slingshot holding the silver bullet tight in his other hand you know sometimes we think the only way to do something hard something that seems kind of impossible is with a silver bullet you know that there's one way to do it one way to take it down it's some magic potion some perfect answer some you know amazingly crafted response or, or solution you know I know a lot of times for me when I'm thinking about talking to people about God, you know, working with the broken or the confused or the angry, I think, you know what, if I only had the silver bullet, if I knew the perfect thing to say, I could make everything okay. You know, I could bring God into this situation if I had that silver bullet. Today, what we're gonna find out is uh, that's not always the case. That God is relying on us to have a silver bullet that the actuality of the matter is that God has the victory. <laughs>
And more often than not, our role is rather passive. My, uh, my favorite saying when it comes to evangelization is, when in doubt, hang out. Uh, today, our guest is a man who has lived an extraordinary life because he has placed himself at the disposal and the will of God. I feel like he has all kinds of stories he could share with us, but today he's gonna share a story just about that, about God being the one who brings victory when all we gotta do sometimes is show up. So, uh, Father Drake McAllister, take it away. So back in the year 2000, I was pastoring in Seattle, Washington. And this is before I was Catholic. And this is in the time where the Lord is slowly drawing me to the Catholic Church, but I wasn't there yet. And the church we pastored was on this strip in uh, the University District of Seattle. And it was just, it was called the Ave. It was called the University Avenue, but it was just locally known as the Ave. And uh, originally I was the associate pastor, but then the pastor left and I became the senior pastor. And I'd been praying, Lord, what, what do you want us to be doing? How do you want us to engage? And, and this particular strip that our church was on had a, a high concentration of, of homeless teens. And uh, so it was kind of a, a younger street population, not an older street population, although there were some, some older uh, homeless as well. And uh, so I had a little spot in my basement, had a table, candle, dry erase board, Bible, and I would sit and pray and, and um, seek the Lord and what he wanted to do. And I had the dry erase board and I would, I would write things out on this dry erase board that I wanted to focus on. And one day as I was reading through Deuteronomy, um, I came across this uh, scripture from chapter 20, the first four verses of chapter 20. And uh, here, here's what it said said, when you go forth to war against your enemies and you see horses and chariots and armies larger than your own, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So it first kind of set the stage and captivated me. When, when you are looking at obstacles, because the enemy is not people. People are never the enemy. People are the mission right? Um, the enemy is, is Satan and the demons and that spiritual realm. That's our battles, not against flesh and blood. The people are the mission, but it set the stage that, listen, when you look at things that are impossible, armies larger than you, don't be afraid. The Lord is going to fight for you. And then it goes on. It said, when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and say to them, hear, O Israel, draw near to the battle against your enemies today. Let not your hearts faint. Do not fear or tremble or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he that goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. And I just read this and I was convicted. I was captivated. I took this, wrote it out on my dry erase board and I wrote the whole thing out. And I just began to, to pray that every day and speak that and and begin to move into a whole new place of faith that God is going to bring the victory. And the obstacles are, are way impossible. And one day as I was just praying through this, I thought, okay, Lord, if this is true, it's either true or not true. So if it's true, prove it. 
So I put on my coat, said, Lord, I'm heading down to the block. I'm just going to go down there, see what you bring. Go meet some people, whatever. And what you got to know about me is I'm not Mr. Street, you know. I'm not Mr. Inner City. I'm not Mr. Homeless Evangelist. Uh, I'm just a guy that loves the Lord and is willing to say yes and, um, and respond to whatever the Lord brings. Um, and, and none of the people in our church at that time were, were skilled or gifted in this form of outreach. Anyway, so I went down to the block. I just started walking down the street. And, and then I come to the block, comes this, uh, her gal, her, I later find out her name's Angel. And uh, she's got to be late 40s, maybe early 50s, African-American gal. And she's just singing, amazing grace, just at the top of her lungs, like people do down on the street. And she's just singing. And I'm walking down going, okay, this could be an opportunity. So I stop, say hello. And uh, she stops, says hello. We just start talking. And uh, we strike up a conversation. And um, I start hanging out with Angel on a regular basis. And so she lives in a van, has nothing. And turned to come to find out she's like the she's like the grandma of the block. And everybody knows Angel. You get to know Angel, you get to know everything. And um, she eventually started coming to uh, to our church. So she was coming every Sunday and uh, would bring uh, the guy that lived with her in the van. And uh, um, and it was an amazing encounter. It was one of those that, uh, number one, I never would have had staying in my basement. Number two, I never would have had on a Sunday morning because the mission is outside. The mission is on the street. The mission is to go and, and, and engage the people where they are. And, um, and so as I got to know Angel, she began to slowly but surely get me into all kinds of things that I never, never saw. Because, I mean, we just, we, we drive, we go to work, school, home, church, whatever, back and forth in our cars. And, and, and you just never will notice the things in the margins. You know, those alleyways, those cars parked on the side of the road, um, the people that we just kind of zoom by. And, um, and so she began to just introduce me to all kinds of people that I never, ever had um, engaged with before. And again, not for any uh, willful desire to not engage, just my nature of ministry had primarily been kind of in the building. And uh, my parents had worked hard growing up, um, you know, engaging us with, you know, um, down at the rescue mission and uh, serving at old folks' home. So they tried to engage us with kind of getting us out of our bubble, and which was good. And um, so, you know, through this encounter, uh, I remember one day... Um, she said, uh, hey, Drake, there's a friend of ours who's dying with AIDS. Uh, let's go see him. And so the next thing I know, I'm up in, I'm up in a, an apartment, public housing, the guy who's dying with AIDS, and uh, not a lot of hope. And, uh, and I get to be there in that moment and pray with him. Um, and it was, it, was, um, it was blowing my mind. It was stretching me in ways that I never imagined. Um, you know, then I would go hang out with Angel in her van, and <laughs> there'd be Angel, some other guy, another guy smoking weed. You know, and we're just hanging out in the van, and there's smoke pouring out of the van. They're like, "Hey, the pastor's here!" But and I was like, "Just, just be yourself." <laughs> um, and uh, uh, you know, and I would just come home each day and be like, "Lord, there's just a whole world 
that I I just don't ever even notice. And uh, it's because I've never slowed down enough to notice or I never went out and engaged. And uh, But eventually there was, a, there was another young man that uh, that angel connected me with, and his name was, was D. His name is Dwayne, but he went by D. And, um, and as I hung out, so D was was young so he was like 21 22 and uh but he was like you know he was he was um uh you know a veteran of the block because if you're still out there at 22 23 you know you've been out there a long time and um and as i got to connect with him um he too got us got me into more places that i just would never go and and never never see and and uh, so one day he he they would always talk about with everybody we talk about they'd be out there hanging out and talking about game game are we going to go to game tonight like what's what's game finally I asked one day and and they're like oh that's this thing that, that like starts at like one a.m. down in a parking garage somewhere downtown this abandoned parking garage and I'm like what do you do and they oh people just they go play role playing games they dress up in costumes they do all kinds of crazy things and so I was like well take me to game and. Uh, so I meet him down there one night about 1 a.m. And, and we go downtown. And, and again, it's just this whole world of people, of encounter, of human need, of um, people looking for meaning and um, looking uh, for things in all kinds of places. And um, so I went down and, and uh, just hung out at this place. There's people in all these crazy costumes, and they're just doing crazy things. And half of them looking around going, I, I don't know what's legal down here. Like, what am I getting into? And uh, um, But it was, uh, it for me was, I felt like during, during this, this year, which then went on for many more years until we entered the Catholic Church and moved to Steubenville, but... Um, during this time, you know, what the Lord was doing for me was uh, engaging me with the whole side of evangelization and the need for the mission that I read about, you know, Jesus and the prostitutes, the tax collectors and sinners. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Go Jesus. And, but I was like, I didn't know any prostitutes. I didn't know any, whoever these, you know, modern tax collectors and sinners would be. And, um, and, and I felt like for the first time I was really, just engaging with uh, taking taking the gospel out. I, I guess what I'd realized during this time is that I was real good at, at kind of uh, middle class ministry in the building. You know that I was really good at reminding people what they had forgotten, um, but I didn't have a whole lot of experience telling people what they never knew, and uh, taking the gospel really for the first time to people. And not only in words, but in deeds. And in fact, I would say most of our outreach and mission, while it was always in a joyful presentation of the gospel when we had opportunity, uh, really primarily during this time, it was just meeting practical needs and helping people get housing and getting IDs. And and when you, when you come from a good family and you don't realize um, what's life like when you don't have ID. How do you get a job? How do you how do you get um, become a you know a part of part of the system? Um, and uh, and so D was one that we got to work with who he had he had nothing and he um, lived out there on the street and he didn't have ID. He, he had no way to get a job, no way to get anything. And and uh, boy, that was an education. 
So we started working with him to get him ID, and I could not believe how, how hard it was to prove you exist. Because uh, you can't just go down and say, here I am, give me an ID. You have to legally prove who you are. But when you have a family that's not intact. Um, so we ended up having to go down and track down his high school yearbook. We had to go to the school, find a copy of the high school yearbook, find the picture, and they matched that picture to who he currently was. And that was enough verification. Finally got him ID. And, uh, and, and Dee began to come to our church each week as well and eventually responded to the Lord and entered into salvation through, with Jesus. And, um, and there's, there's so many uh, more stories and twists and turns of our engagement with um, the people out there on the Ave. And, uh, uh, and it was something that, that I think forever changed me. Um, and it started with that Deuteronomy scripture that God said, listen, I'm bigger than this. Yeah, the obstacles are in fact impossible. In fact, you can't do it. Um, but have no fear. Uh, I am going to fight for you. And I think that's what I took away from that day as I read that and said, okay, Lord, I- I'm going to choose to believe this. You're going to go fight this battle. I'm, I, But I have to show up and then you're going to fight the battle. And... Um, and it, it forever changed me and my, my ministry outlook and priestly outlook and uh, is something that I continue to engage in on, on a regular basis. And uh, so I'm, I'm so thankful for that day when Angel came down the street singing. And um, I have no idea where she is today, what she's doing, um, but um, it was a real gift to me to have that encounter and, uh, and really feel like for the first time, I was uh, living the gospel in a way that really felt like uh, living out what Jesus was calling me to do and challenging me to do. And I guess the last thing I'll just say is, is um, I, I think the thing that really stood out to me in this time is, is the mission it was never convenient. It was never convenient. It never arrived at the times uh, that I really wanted it to, like nine to five kind of thing. Um, it just was something that was always outside of the bounds of uh, my my normal scope of, of time for the most part and um, um, and invited me to embrace the cross on a deeper level. So uh, yeah, I thank the Lord for Angel. I think for all I know, she was maybe in fact an actual angel that uh, helped me uh, know the Lord better and to reach out and uh, to serve to serve others in a way that I had not done. So I'm thankful for her and uh, her investment in me. Uh, is still producing fruits to this day. There it is. Amen. Another extraordinary story of God's goodness. Special thanks to our guest today, Father Drake McAllister. And as always, a big thank you to our producer, Dan Bozek, the man with the golden hands from Aardvark Productions. My name is Bob Lesnevsky, and it's been a pleasure to be your host today. To learn more about Vagabond Missions or to join us on this adventure, please check us out at vagabondmissions.com. Until next time, Vagabonds, peace. Peace.